right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producer. It's been the one and two. Today's show is being presented by Dosecki's Get a Dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios, 87737Grind. Hilarious, Jonas. You just, I mean, they, I Monday think they got mine. Just year. hilarious. Um, but let's talk about those uh, lack of goodies. Look, um, so let me continue this with. Uh, Let's stick before we get all future and all that. Let's just stick on yesterday's game with the Jets. Um, his worst game since the second half of the Washington Commanders game. Speaking of Russ, it's the worst play called game, play calling game that Sean has had since he's been in Denver. Okay, and he kind of alluded to it after the post game. I mean, first of all, I mean, you get McLaughlin comes in that just steps in for Javel, um, Javante Williams, and you know really just gets the shows the continuous juice, the speed, and you go out and you go up, you know, seven three, um, and you just start. And, and again, when you're a, when you're not that talented, and you're a bad football in the NFL, uh, you have you can't afford you really can't overcome mistakes. And a lot of those and mistakes can be penalties. They're still the highest rated penalty team in the NFL and turnovers. And, you know, you you go after seeing a pulse from this defense in the second half of Chicago game, a pulse still in ICU, but they had a pulse ain't flatline. Yet. Then you come out to this particular game at home. You send that you you have a struggling quarterback coming in. He's coming off his best game as a Jet, you know, blah blah blah. Gets can't see whatever. He's still struggling quarterback, and you send them out three and out. You get them in a three and eighteen, and you sent them a punt. The best thing you could do for a trash defense to try to get some confidence. And then your second round pick, one of the few bright spots of this season, Marvin Mims, is sit back. And, you know, it's nobody's fault but the man upstairs, the way the sun sets in the mountains of Colorado when their son's there. And it's coming down. And then your second-round pick, technically your first overall pick in this last 2020 draft, first time all season, going back to the preseason, picks the worst time to muff a punt. Yeah. Momentum kill. And then it starts to seep in, like, here we go. Well, defense step up, held him to three. Okay. Then you get the ball, then you march down, and then you go score. Your first possession, you answer with a touchdown, go seven to three. So you're thinking, oh, okay, everything. Let's get to this second half stuff. Okay. And this is a problem. This is the biggest problem besides penalties and turnovers. Not so much a Russ's play until yesterday, but it's one of those that it's the lack of what is going on at halftime and what is happening in the second half to Denver's offense and defense. There was a point in that game yesterday that they went, I think, a total of 12 minutes without a first down in the second half. What I believe, and these are what I'm seeing with Russell Wilson, even though he's playing better, and I and I stand by that. But yesterday he picked the, he picked maybe the wrong time to relapse a little bit. But what I'm seeing, even in the games that he plays, and 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 you know the Chicago second half is an outlier. I'm talking about these other games. What it looks like to me, if we complete a whole week, because they first of all they play on this Thursday against Kansas City, 
a team they lost to for 15 straight games. And that's why I say the for sale sign is not out yet, but it's getting ready. It's in print. It can go out Friday morning. They'll go to see what kind of effort they give on it, but it'll probably go out Friday morning. So if they complete a full week, if we get back to this point next week, and Vance Joseph is still employed by the Denver Broncos, then what that will tell me, that will let me know like, okay, this is part of the process and the plan of what Sean has gotten a pass for, what he's gotten the blessing for the Pinner group to go like, hey, this is what we're going to do, how we're going to play it. Because the reality of it is, is this. What I see by the collapse of the second half, how horrid the defense is, I believe Sean and Vance Joseph have had, if Vance Joseph is going to keep his job, then I know they've had discussions like, you know what? We don't think we're that talented on offense, and this is the reason why. And Vance basically says, well, Sean, you know, we're running the system, but we, you know, injuries, depths, or straws went out, but our back, they just ain't capable of doing it. They can't process. So they both come to a collective agreement and say, okay, then you know what we got to do to try to hide this a little bit? We've got to really focus during the week. When we put in the game plan, we've got to really script plays. And we've got to practice these plays over and over again, and we got to repeat them to make sure they go on the same page so we can look respectable. Because, you know, it's crazy. When the sheriff was in town, a.k.a. Peyton Manning, and you want to go back to uh, this is everything probably post, you know, Super Bowl, that year going to win Super Bowl 50 prior to that. Until that point, through all the Trevor Simeons, all the Brock Oswallers, the whole Paxton Lynch, Denver had went years in games without scoring on their opening drive. And that's in games that Peyton Manning played. Fast forward for this year, they have scored in six out of their seven opening drives. And then you look at the second half. You know what that tells me is that the preparation during the week and there's discussions that be made. And this is all advances on this roster still come this week, a week from today. That lets me know they knew and they're both coaching off of like, look, this is what we're going to do in the first 15 plays on offense. And they're running to the nauseam. They're going through film. Vance is saying these are the calls that I'm going to play in the first 10 or 15. And then after that, we're going to see how to adjust. But they both know they don't have the talent and the know for all to be able to adjust and get their players to go as other teams make adjustments. That's what I believe is going on. And you know what? The result of that is what showed yesterday's game about Russell Wilson even though he's playing better and he's got better stats, but you know where he can't get back and he's not back is the fact that the first time, and it's happened, you know, kind of before, but yesterday when he's going up against a top defense, a talented young defensive line, and when he's going against a sauce gardener, when he's going against a secondary, the reason, yes, the offensive line, that's a different story. They kind of got handled. They didn't play horribly. But the thing is with Russ is that he is, he does not have the confidence to throw to tight windows anymore. Like if, if Sean draws somebody open and you're playing a team that maybe they got as bad as defense as you do, okay, but when you play against elite corners or an elite defensive-minded coach, you don't have the confidence to let it rip and to throw it through tight windows. He didn't do that until he was forced to do it when they got the ball back after the turnover for PS2 when they were going up tempo and knew they only had one timeout and you got to go and you got to make decisions. Go back to the safety in the first half. That's that that's rookie stuff. Russ is like that to me is not knowing the opponent that you're playing 
and the situation and also the offensive line that you have. Now, this is some of the criticism that we kind of heard from offensive linemen up in Seattle. But if you look at that 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 safety, that's elementary. Russ got to know, dude, you've got to sit there and throw it away. You ain't got that much time with these dudes basically that's coming in the end zone and you take a safety. And then let's fast forward to the final drive and you're going down and all you need is a three points to tie and to go into overtime. You're running around and you fumble and you get stripped from the behind. He hasn't come to realization like, look, man, you're in better shape. You're this. You're not outrunning guys anymore. You've been he gets caught a lot from behind by dudes more than what you've seen before at Seattle, whatever. And the thing is, the, the, the lack of awareness to protect the football. And you know, I've always read lips pretty good in body language. And as Russ is coming off the field and Sean is looking at him and shots like your hot read was right there. Throw it. And Russ act like, you know, that kid when your mom would get on you, your dad's kissing you out and you act like you just don't really hear him. You just walk into your room like, yeah, okay, okay. That was the reaction to Russ yesterday and that, that whole exchange, the, pretty much the first exchange that you've seen from them since he's been there. Speaking of Sean, that's the way I view yesterday's game. Now, the big picture, they've got a short week. They've gone to Kansas City. The bottom line is it is time. It's the same thing that I preached in my own backyard. They're in no man's land. They've been in no man's land because the guy who came before, the guy that is held up as God in Colorado, sold the whole media, sold the whole fan base because he's responsible for every trophy that's in Doe Valley that we're here in Broncos country. We don't rebuild. John said it. He said it a year or two after Peyton Manning had it. There's only been one player that I can think of at the top of my head post-Super Bowl that they've developed. And this is the closest, and that's Justin Simmons. That's the only player offensively or defensively that they have truly developed in Denver Bronco country post-Super Bowl is Justin Simmons. He sat behind T.J. Ward a year or two. He was getting spot duty, played some special teams. Then it was like, okay, this guy's good. I watched him at Boston College. I knew he got a stud once we drafted him. That's the only guy they develop. They have never ripped the Band-Aid off. It's the same situation that the five-time champs down here in the Alamo City had to go through. What has Denver been doing? Hey, man, we'll, we'll, we'll get a little Marcus Aldridge. We'll sign. We'll make a trade for DeRozan. And still it just comes down to like, look, man, we're going to have to take our medicine and just go in and get in the lottery. And that's exactly where the Denver Broncos are at. I don't care if they go and pull an upset Thursday against Kansas City. I don't care if they win some division games. This is what he was brought in for. This is what I still have confidence in him to do. But the reality of it is, is you've got to let him do it, and he's going to have to do it, and he's going to have to rip the Band-Aid off. As far as I'm concerned, the only guy on this roster that possibly could be untouchable is three guys, really, barely. And I don't put one of them in the other two because they're just young and rookies. But if you really look like who's going to be here whenever this thing turns around and they start winning, that's Marvin Mims. That's McLaughlin. That's probably God. Let me add a couple more guys. Cooper, Benito. And that's pretty much it. And if they lose against Kansas City, excuse me, PS2. But I'll put him in there, PS2. But honestly, they might listen for the right price with PS2. 
But if you want to be realistic, PS2 is probably the only guy out of those young guys I named that's untouchable. That means as much as I think he's a top safety in the league, Justin Simmons. At the right price, Justin's got to go. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. Uh, we know what Tim Patrick's situation is, unfortunately, but it is what it is. Garrett Bowles. Um, who else? Uh, the list goes. You, you, you've got to. It's everybody's out there. And I would do it before we get to Halloween, the trade deadline. Start getting some of them calls now. You got to rip the Band-Aid off. And that's just what, if you bleed blue and orange, you just got to stomach it, man. Unfortunately, this ain't the NBA. But they've never done a rebuild because the guy that is responsible, that made me a Denver fan at the age of seven, he has sold to the media and he has sold to the fan base in Colorado. We don't rebuild. Well, you got to at some point. Everybody's got to go through it. What New England did for 20 years is just a, a Haley's Comet. Well, that lunar eclipse. Are we waiting for a lunar eclipse? Isn't that coming this week or something? Yeah, the Ring of Fire is supposed to be, I think, on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is the Ring of Fire scored Earth. It's going to come. I mean, when you look at New England, like I said, arguably, they probably got the best. They probably got the worst talent roster in the National Football League, but they've got one of the best coaches to ever do it. He's one of the worst GMs at the same time, too. That's what's killing him. It ain't because Bill forgot how to coach football or he ain't got time. He's whiffed on some picks. And, and if you can't hide that funk forever in the national football. You will get exposed as other teams in your division get better. But for that team in Mile High in Colorado, it's going to be tough for the fans. But reality of it is somebody's going to have to step up and say, this is who we are. It didn't work out. We've been treading water and thinking we're because because really what's going besides probably the what's going to cost George Payton his job. Yeah, you know, you can go the Russ contract because they, you know what they could just say, hey, we're going to bring in a bridge guy. We're going to eat this in 2024. You might just accept, hey, Russ, you're just going to come in one more. I don't know. Or you might just cut that Band-Aid off too. But besides that, what's going to get George and what he's going to fall on the sword, which which I don't think he's had horrible drafts, but at the end of the day, you, under, you only, you underestimated the roster by making that trade for Russell Wilson. And that's if, if I'm going to keep it 100, as the youngsters say, that's the evaluation over last year going in through five weeks of the season this year. You underestimated and you missed on how good your depth and your roster was. Because if you really knew what was under the surface, under the muck, you don't make that trade for Russell Wilson. So that's just the state that the Denver Broncos are in. I mean, it sucks for the diehard Orange Nation fans, but there's a, there's teams and franchises in this history of this National Football League has had to go through it, and they ain't they ain't sitting with three trophies in the case. But the crazy thing I came across that I heard that I looked at this because I was wondering, and check and let me just tell you why the for sale sign has to go up Friday morning and what their credit when I say they haven't developed any player except Justin Simmons, one player. I don't, don't tell me Vaughn or what Vaughn was a blue chipper coming out since Cubes. You know who that is, Gary Kubiak, the guy who delivered the last trophy as head coach. Since his last season, Denver is 41-74. and 74. Let me repeat that. And if I could say it in Spanish, I would. 41-74. and 74. That is hot garbage. That is, there's a so story. You would have to get Stephen King to read. He could write a novel on how that number and what went on through that cluster of 41 and 74 since Gary Kubiak's last year. We can move on now. 877-37-GRUMP. Get them for sale signs up.
I'll, I'll sell it. I'll set up a swap meet. As soon as that gun goes off, come in Friday, said, uh, where you where you want me to do it? Denver can hire me. I'll, I'll sell it. Swap me. What you want? What you want? You need a ride receiver? You need two? What if we give you two? Give me two first ones? Yeah, Judy. Hey, man. What do you need? You need a safety? You need top three safety? Hey, we got somebody. That's what they got to do. So this man can get his dues, and he can either hire a GM, get the control, and do it that way and get it over with because they've been stuck in no man's land. 41 and 74. It makes me want to throw up here on live stream camera. Just bleh. It pains me to even see it, to say it. I'm not accustomed to this, man. I'm not, and that's the only solace I can take. I was actually telling, I said, you know what, Calvin, you've been blessed, dude. You, you, you grew up in the 80s, 90s, Denver. At least you've seen it. And if you got to go through this, but it's still hard to stomach. But that's the only silver line for somebody like me. If you're only what, I don't know. 10 years old, 12 years. I mean, you growing up, you didn't see, unlike me and my child, you didn't, you just known this franchise to suck and to find the ways to lose and be not as good as that's what's being sold to us. You listen to the sports grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro DeBell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great bold and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary mix made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing and spinning the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Penland Whiskey. Penland Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before boiling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Penland Whiskey delivers an commonly smooth taste and a rich, complex flavor. That is Penland Whiskey, which is an official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and official whiskey 
whiskey of the professional bull riding tour which is the pbr velocity tour and it's an official whiskey of the sports grind and an official sponsor of the sports grind 877-37-GRIND all right, so keeping it moving, uh, we can move on. Um, some other news and notes to start with. Uh, kind of in our backyard, you know, Atlanta Falcons um, kind of put a halt to the Texans two-game winning streak. Uh, kind of saw that. Uh, Atlanta, I think the most thing that was impressive to me about this game is probably the way Atlanta's defense stepped up. Uh, it looks like they finally put together a decent defensive game for four quarters because I, I, me, I believe that is one of the Achilles heels of this team. But at the same time, I still think even in the victory, uh, you know, Koo came and uh, hit the game winning full goal. I still don't think they have an identity on offense either way. Um, even with uh, the type of season kind of that B. John Robinson's having. And again, I'll just say this is, I mean, Kyle Pitts, I just don't get it. I mean, and if you go back and you look at where who else was out there at the time when they drafted Kyle Pitts, where they drafted him, I just don't understand why you take a tight end that high if you plan on not even really including him in the game plan. And this is this is even going back to last year before Bijan even showed up. So the but you know they were able to get a win. Uh, Houston they drop. Uh, you know, like I said, it stops their two games uh, winning streak. Uh, what do you got? On the Houston note, I know we had on the docket for Friday. We never mm-hmm. quite got around to it, mm-hmm. but C.J. Stroud's hot start. Okay, yeah. he was chasing down the the best uh, you know five game start of a rookie's passing career mm-hmm. in terms of yardage. Had the opportunity to pass Mahomes. I'm looking to confirm who where he did finish with his I think 269 yards. I think he needed 340 to take the overall record. Okay, um, but so one highlight note, and when we talk about rookie quarterbacks. A lot of it is how well do they adapt to the speed of the game. C.J. Stroud has now set the record for passes without a pick to start your career. Wow. All right. That's uh, to- This weekend he topped Dak Prescott's. Mark, of course, it's funny that you come full circle, Dak Prescott. Right. You know, it says, I'm not t- throwing 10 interceptions, throws three last night. I think it brings him to four or five on the season. Yeah, I think it's four. Uh, coming off of last year's with 15. Uh, so it tops Dak's 2016 mark of 176. And um, now, now uh, Stroud's new mark is 186. Yeah, I think Houston definitely got their guy. I mean, I, I just think, you know, going forward, um, I think D'Amico will continue uh, to build that defense. Um, and I think they will continue to add more pieces around CJ and weapons. Um, you know, I think, you know, when I look at this team, uh, you know, paying attention to the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, uh, Dalton Schultz is finally starting to get comfortable with C.J. Stroud or what they're trying to do. So, no, Stroud, I think Texans should be comfortable. Uh, they finally found their guy after the Deshaun Watson fiasco. Um, but and, and I will tell you, you know, again, you got to go through some pains, but that's a quick – not all organizations are, you know, blessed enough or lucky enough to sit there and be able to recover that quickly in that position the way Deshaun Watson's situation went down. So count your blessings on that too. It's the same situation when I'm saying about Colts transitioning to them. Um, you know, they were set at six and a half on the win total. I took the over on them. And I took the over because I felt that, you know, at worst case scenario, um, talent-wise that was probably left defensively from in the trenches in the linebacker position. And, of course, I anticipated Jonathan Taylor being there, which now he's back. 
um, that they were good enough to win some games. I didn't know what we had in Steichen, and I didn't know what we had with Anthony Richardson. So now I know. And before we get to actually what took place against Tennessee, um, Jonathan Taylor showed up, got a $42 million new extension with, I think, 26.5 or something like that guaranteed money. Um, so he won. Um, I, I think, you know, maybe cooler heads prevailed. However, they got finally got to this place. I think it should have been done for the season. But I think it was clearly to them that, yes, you know, and he got his money. But Zach Moss showed, stole the show yesterday with over 200 yards down there rushing. And also, you know, to the fact that prior to that, they were still kind of struggling to run the ball the way Jonathan Taylor when he's 100 percent ready to go. Um, but he's back. And that leads me to last yesterday's game against the Titans and how that played out. Uh, first of all, I will give them credit, speaking of the Colts. I mean, this is the best job they've done on Derrick Henry uh, since I can remember. I mean, Derrick is a back that has probably through Chuck Pagano, through two or three coaches, about two coaches, he's averaged over 100 yards against the Colts. Uh, yesterday with this coaching staff, Gus Bradley, uh, which was there last year when he got over 100, but Gus Bradley matched it with Steichen. They came up with a decent game plan, and I think it also, you have to tip your hair, uh, tip your hair, tip your hat to Zaire Franklin. I have no hair, can't tip hair, Colin. Uh Their linebacker core is legit, and they're really doing this without Darius Leonard. I mean, Darius Leonard is still, right now, I feel not 100 all the way back from those type of surges he's had, and you can see, he's, he's almost a shell of himself. They got him on a pitch count, uh, but you got to give credit to uh, the linebacker core and the defense. I think they're still suspect in the secondary, but they were able to contain uh, Derrick Henry. Now, for their quarterback, Anthony Richardson, uh, that injury, now keep in mind, week five will be done tonight. Through five weeks of football, okay, Anthony Richardson has three injuries in five weeks. Yesterday's injury, I'm still going to put, even though I can praise, I'm going to praise Steichen for one thing. And and, and I, before I knock him down, I'll praise him for again. And I said this in the Baltimore Ravens game they played. He's got the team prepared with what it's going to look like with Garden Minshew. Now, granted, Garden was with them a whole year at Philly, and he understands that passing game and playbook that Steigen has more than Anthony Richardson is at this point in Anthony's career. And you see it because I think Garden Minshew, because he's with the right coach that understand he understands what he wants to do and he understands that playbook. Um, Garden Minshew, you can make an argument that he might be one of the best backups in the league at this time, the way he's playing. He's going to have some opportunities to win some games for them. I, and I think if you're Michael Pittman and you're trying to get a new contract and you look at you want Garden Minshew throwing you the ball for the most part. But I think as I praise Steichen for that and the Colts being prepared at that position, of, knowing that who they were taking, the project that they were taking in Anthony Richardson and the way he's going to play, Give them credit for being prepared. But the one thing I will be critical of Steichen for, because I think Anthony Richardson's three injuries in five weeks and this coming as a uh, shoulder joint, I knew when he went down. I told AC, I was like, well, it's the collarbone or joint thing. And if it's collar, I don't know if it's broke, it could be the year. But if not, he's looking at at least four weeks. He's probably, and he's your future. You probably, this is going to be about a four to five week injury if they're smart. But the reality of it is, that's on Steichen, man. They're running him too much. Like, there's one thing, like, if you're going to develop him, I've got, you know, all this talk about, you know, Steichen with Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, he was around Hibbert. If you are going to develop, y'all knew who y'all were drafting. 
Now, I don't have a problem with him using his skill set, which is his size and legs. But damn, can we narrow it down and wait till you get in the red zone? When wait till you get within the ten yard line, the five yard line, because if now, especially with Zach Moss running the ball the way he is, you got Jonathan Taylor. Let them if you're if you're not going to let it rip when he gets back healthy and let him make some passes to Pittman. And but look, he's going to throw some interceptions. He's going to throw some uh, running game. But it, you cannot run this guy from sideline to side, from hash to hash, and do RPOs and have him keep it half the time and take those hits. And if I'm, and see, this is the, this is when I know whether there's disconnect. When I talk about everybody in the organization pulling on one rope, and this is why I go back to management. If Ursay was that in tune, in my opinion, with what the situation's going on, being owning the whole team since he took over from his daddy. The one thing that should frighten him the most that will wake him up in cold sweats if he's really in tune, knowing that he had a man before him that came out of Stanford, that pretty much career was cut short because they didn't do the right things to protect him. And that was also a quarterback that probably played reckless. He was he was big. He was big in stature, running people over. But then he had kidney. Then he, then he pissed blood because he had kidneys. He got, took too many hits. So if Ursay's really in tune, or the, uh, even to Chris Ballard, who had the guy, the only reason why he took the job was Andrew Luck, to have them quit knowing it was based off of injuries and rehab, why wouldn't there be alarming when Steichen takes the job or when you decide to draft this young man out of Florida, you sit there and say, one thing we're going to do, we're going to keep him out of harm's way. How come that talk has not taken place in Indianapolis? It shows me it hasn't. Hopefully they learn from this. I think they take the full length. I think Garden Minshew, I think the defense plays well enough to be able to keep them afloat. You know, they were able to beat Tennessee. They stopped the losers. Tennessee had beaten them four straight games and in Lucas Oil Field. Now they've got to go to Duval and they go play Jacksonville, who's coming off uh, the cross the pond, a cup of tea, beating the Bills. So that's early on. That's an interesting AFC South game that a lot of people probably wouldn't have had the Colts in this situation, knowing that, hey, if we win, we could be atop of the AFC South, shocking up on our own. That's a big game this coming weekend between him and Jacksonville. But for Anthony Richardson, when he gets back, take his time. I think this should be a four to six weeks healing process. No matter if he heals fast, he wants back. Let Garden Minshew go and handle it. And no matter what the record is, when Anthony Richardson comes back um, and when he plays, let him take his lumps as much as he can from the pocket. If you're going to do the RPOs, if you're going to run them, wait till you get within the, I won't even say red zone because red zone starts at 20. I'd say you wait till you get to the 10 yard line of the five because he don't need to be taking those hits. And this ain't the SEC, man. These are the best of the best. He's taking some big ass hits out of the three out of the five weeks he's played. 877-37 grind. Speaking of that Jacksonville team, yeah, they showed up. They were able to beat the Buffalo Bills. I had a feeling that this was a bad spot for Buffalo. You know, Jacksonville had been over staying over there for about a couple weeks. Buffalo has to, to travel. Not only the travel, you're coming off an emotional win versus your AFC division pose, uh, foes and 
the Miami Dolphins. Okay, so this was just a recipe for disaster. They did some things to get themselves a shot with no timeouts left at the end of the game. Uh, but credit to uh, Jacksonville because I didn't understand how this team was struggling offensively early on. Um, they didn't light it up Sunday morning, but they at least used the show that they could move the ball against a good Buffalo defense. Now, Buffalo, their linebacker, or middle linebacker, like their start linebacker, it looks like that's a, that's a goner. Uh, for the year. That's a tough injury for Buffalo, uh, but you got to give credit to Jacksonville for getting that. Pittsburgh, the Steelers, I think personally they did everybody in the North a job a favor because if Baltimore decides if they play four quarters and they hold on to that, they're going to be 3-0 and in the AFC North. So I think the Cincinnati, Cleveland, I think you need to send a card because I think they saved the not not saved the North, but they kept it at Baltimore at you know arm's reach. Pittsburgh, look, you know that play to Pickens, pick it to Pickens. That's more of what I saw in the preseason. That's more of what I expected. Um, they still didn't really score. I mean, they took their defense won this game for me, especially in the second half. But Pickett was able to make timely plays to put them in position uh, to kind of keep the chains moving. They did it again on defense. Um, they've just got to figure this out offensively, man. I mean, they've got to figure it out. Uh, I think they've got talent. And I, now the running part of this, I don't think that that's getting corrected this season, during the season. I don't expect Pittsburgh all of a sudden. I think they can run the ball effectively. But what people would think of Pittsburgh, when you think of the Steelers, you think of that Najee here, you think of that old bus, Jerome. But I don't think that they can run the – I mean, because and I, and I have my thoughts on why that is. I don't I need to get into them all right now. But I definitely think that this offense can play better. What do you got? When you look at that Pickens to pick or Pickett to Pickens connection, do you feel like there's anything to the point of – Pickens' best games have been, and he's only had really two really good games. Uh, the second game of the season against Cleveland caught four of ten targets for 127 yards and a touchdown. And then Baltimore caught six of ten targets for 130 yards and a touchdown. Outside of that, in the other three game, uh, yeah, other three games of the season, no touchdowns, no 100-yard games. Best game was against the Raiders with 75 yards. So is this is this Canada uh, kind of again? We, we, and it's it's a given that that uh, that you want to be good in your division. Mm. Okay, so you you watch extra tape. You know you're playing that these that your division counts for six games of your seven uh, seventeen game schedule. Uh, any coincidence there that this was that, that he once again rose to the occasion against the Baltimore Ravens? Speaking of the coordinator or picket. Uh, coordinator and picket pickens. I mean, because in a sense, like you said, the 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 running game isn't going to get figured out this year. So it's, so they've opinion. got to rely on their passing game. That's what really shined in the preseason that everybody saw, and so we're seeing that. But against teams that maybe Canada did, did a little bit more homework on. I, I see what you're trying to ask now. I, I would tell you, and that's just my opinion on the running game not improving. Because I, I, in my opinion, I think there's factors with how good the offensive line is, um, really where Najee Harris is at, um, you know, in regards to his physical capabilities. I know they've got the other young kid behind him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know your division. I mean, you draft. I mean, that's why we played that sound clip last week about Mike Tomlin, you know, talking about how they get prepared for teams in their division and each of the quarterbacks, they got a game plan. I think you draft towards your division you build a team that can win your division uh but the reality of it is is i think you know you know if these guys really because that's all that's taught and and you know talk to the media about right and fan base 
about practice, practice, preparation, practice. That's what we've all been conditioned, either covering the game, being a fan of the game. That's what you've heard, the good, the great coaches, everything. So my point is, if you're getting a lot of reps and, you know, second team backup quarterbacks don't get reps, I mean, you're getting prepared for your next opponent. I just look at it as like eventually one of these players got to pop. If you got the talent, it's got to pop. The question is, when when you ask, has it been, not saying you're asking it, but the question is, from a fan standpoint, if you're a Steeler fan or not, and a lot of Steeler fans are disgusted with their offense. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Pittsburgh, I said it last week, I'll say it again, and every damn game I tune into, as long as that lasts this year, I'll take a struggling, booty trash offense Averaging 14 points a game every year. If I got to sit through that, then a defense that gives you no shot. So with that said, be careful and think the blessings of what you got, Pittsburgh fans. But back to the offensive side. The one thing that you got to look at is, you know, look, this is going to be a process to where you've got talent. There's talent on Pittsburgh's offensive. They they find receivers. That Pickens very talented. You know, uh, they've got you know Najee. They've got Pickens. They've got some. The bottom line is you're going to have to just real realize this is just who we who we are. And I still think, you know, what's being undersold or what's not talked enough about the media or anybody else about the Pittsburgh struggles of offense. Yeah, we could talk about like Canada, that's the obvious, but they're only in their second year removed from replacing Ben. You don't replace a like legend like that like that quickly. There's only been a few franchises that have been fortunate enough to even have the opportunity to do that. One of them botched it, speaking of the Colts. I don't want to bash them today, but I'm just telling you that. The other two has been the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. They just they made an art of it. But the rest of the teams, <laughs> you know, you 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 gotta if you're lucky to have one of those, I mean, perfect example. Look how long it took Miami to even get to Tua. Since Dan left and stopped shooting Isotona commercials. Do the math on that, man. Hell, he shot Ace Ventura Pet Detective. And they still, I mean, he had the time to shoot a movie. They haven't, look how long it took them and the quarterbacks they went through to even get to tour. And there's questions if, hey, well, you know, if he doesn't get hurt, meaning that it does, it's hard when you got one of those guys that you have to replace. That's why I've always said it. Even with Peyton Manning, the Super Bowl, that's all fine. They have, in Denver, they have yet. They have never replaced John Elway. And he had hell trying to replace his own self. They've yet to do it to this day. Peyton doesn't count. Russ doesn't count. Brock they uh, Brock was a fail. Paxton. They've yet to get a guy in the draft. Drew Lockwood. That is key. And that's what it's really all about. When we get back. Giants are the next one to get massacred up in Miami. And then we'll transition to college. I got a fun fact for you Aggies out there. Texas Tech puts a beat down on Baylor. Also, Coach Prime, you wouldn't have told, you couldn't tell they won. Listen to his press conference afterwards. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's. Get a dose. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. 
Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits, and world-class wine to chips, dips, and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, Shout. cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 